praise team do a wonderful job this morning. I'm having to drink water before I even get going because I was singing and, and praising the Lord. Well, listen, it is so good to see you all today. I'm glad you came to join us on a, a beautiful, sunny uh, fall morning, right? Uh, looked outside, saw the rain, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a good one. But anyway, um, I'm going to start off by talking about something. I'm going to date myself just a little bit. When I was younger and, and growing up, there was a TV show that I really loved to watch. And maybe you've seen it, maybe you didn't. If we started singing the theme song, you could sing it now, but it was called Saved by the Bell. And uh, if, if you've seen it, great. You'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you will, you will still relate anyway, because here's the thing that m made that show so great. We would come home from school, we'd turn it on, and just instantly get invested in the story. And the reason why we could do that is because we related to somebody in that story. If you look at all the characters, of di uh, the different ones in the show, you've got, you've got the jock, the athlete. You've got uh, A.C. Slater was his name. You've got um, the, the schemer, Zach Morris. You've got the, the, the nerdy, goofy kids. Uh, and, and Screech, yes, my, my mind blanked out for just a second. But, uh, but anyway, uh, and, and for the girls, you got the popular ones, you got the bookworm, you got the, 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 the creative one. You, you can throw all these different archetypes into this story and somebody could relate to it. You could find someone in that show that you were like, okay, I know what they're, they're going through or I can relate to someone like that because one of my friends is the nerdy one. I'm not the nerdy one, he's the nerdy one, but I, I know what he's going through. But anyway, there's something about when you tell a story, we want to relate to someone in that story. You know, when we go and we watch uh, war movies, we like to, you know, in our heads, we like to think that, it, well, if I were in that situation, I'd be the hero. I'd be the one charging up the hill, you know, or, or if we watch a, a, a disaster movie, we think, well, I'm going to be the one that would be smart and figure out how to get us all out safe and alive. And so it's something that we naturally do whenever we hear a story. We pick somebody, even if we don't realize we're doing it, and we relate to that person. We connect to that person. And so we do that even when we read the Bible. You know, when we read the story of David and Goliath, we don't want a picture that we're the giant. No, we think we're David. You know, we're the one out there standing up for the Lord and, and, and achieving some great victory. When we read the story of, of Peter and the disciples and they're on the boat and Jesus calls to Peter and says, step out on the water. We want to pretend, hey, I, I'm Peter. I was the one who had the faith and stepped out. I wasn't the 11 that stayed in the boat. So we all find people to connect to in a story. But there's some people that appear in the Bible that we don't often think about and, and just so readily relate to, even though I think if we stop and think about it for just a minute, we'll realize that we have a lot in common with these people. They appear in the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. They're all throughout this story of what God was doing in the world and what God is accomplishing in this world. And that is orphans, widows, and foreigners. Now, you might say, well, I'm not an orphan. I've got parents. And, and that's true. You might have parents. But there's some things about an orphan that you might find that you relate to more than you think about, more than you would have thought initially. The same with widows or, or foreigners. And so if you will hang with me for just a minute, I want to share some scripture with you. I want to show you just how often the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner shows up in the Bible. 
So starting off, when you have God and he gave the law to the Israelites, he was saying, this is the kind of world that, and this is the way I want you to live. He was very careful to give instructions when it came to these three classes of people. In Exodus chapter 22, uh, verses 21 through 23, it says, You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. In Deuteronomy, where Moses summed up all of God's laws for them, it says, True justice must be given to foreigners living among you and to orphans. And you must never accept a widow's garment as security for her debt. Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from slavery. That is why I have given you this command. So God was telling the Israelites, listen, I'm giving you a lot of rules. I'm I'm telling you what it means to live a godly life, what it means to be a righteous person. But he said, I need you to look out for these people. You're going to see these people. And I want you to make sure that you are conducting yourself properly when it comes to them. They are a special class, uh, what what today we would call a protected class of people. They need a little extra care, a little extra attention. In Deuteronomy as well, Moses told them, now listen, I can't go into the promised land with you, but when you do, I want you to set up things and establish it from the very beginning. So as soon as you cross over, there's two mountaintops, and I want half the people to go over on one half, uh, on one mountaintop, and I want half the people to go on the other, and this side's going to give blessings. We're going to say, these are the things that we want our promised land to look like. We want to see justice. We want to see fairness. We want to see a holy, righteous people. And then on the other mountaintop, they're going to stand up and they're going to pronounce curses. And so for people who break God's law, these are the curses that will be upon them. And even there, there was a special curse for those who did not do right by these people. In in Deuteronomy 27, 19, it says, cursed is anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows, and all the people will reply, amen. So obviously God thought that it was very important that when we're dealing with people who need a little extra care, who need a little extra attention, that we may Make sure that we are treating them the way that they should. We're treating them with the proper care. And then as you move through the story of of Israel, as you look at at how they reacted and how they lived out what God had given them, the commands that God had given them, we see that they didn't do what God commanded. And that ended up being a large portion of why they received punishment in their lives. They had to go into exile. Their their promised land was taken away from them for a period of 70 years because they didn't do those things that God had told them that they had to do. And so I'm I'm going to keep going. There's a lot of of, people passages here where prophets would stand up and they would say, listen, you want to know why things are not working out for you? It's because you didn't do these things that God asked you to do. In Isaiah 1:17, it says, learn to do good, seek justice and help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans and fight for the rights of widows. Why is Isaiah having to come back and tell them to do it uh, again? Well, it's because they weren't doing it from when they'd been told the first time. They had to be reminded. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 5 through 7, it says, But I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. And only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. Ever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like to have the promised land and, and to be living in it and to be living in God's blessing and to realize this is going to be taken away from me because I'm not conducting myself in the way that God said I should. 
I don't know about you, but whatever blessings God has placed in my life, I want to hold on to them. I don't want somebody coming back and saying, God's going to have to take that blessing away from you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. We don't want that. In Jeremiah 22, verses 3 through 5, it says, This is what the Lord says, Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right and help those who've been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. If you obey me, there will always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne here in Jerusalem. And then in Ezekiel 22, 7, it says, Fathers and mothers, this is Ezekiel saying, this is why the judgment has come on us. He said, Fathers and mothers are treated with contempt. Foreigners are forced to pay for protection. Orphans and widows are wronged and oppressed among you. Zechariah 7, 10 says, Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor, and do not scheme against each other. Now, I know that's a lot of passages, but I'm just trying to let you see that this was obviously something that was very important to God. He didn't just say it once and forget it. He reminded them over and over and over again, these people need protection. They need special treatment. And it's not because they're, uh, they're, they're less than or anything like that, but it's just because there's something about these people where they need to be treated in a certain way. And it doesn't just end in the Old Testament. Even if you go to the New Testament, James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So even when we get into the time of Jesus, even when we get into the New Covenant, it's still important that we're looking out for those who have been through some pain, have been through some trauma, have, have had, had some negative experiences in their life. It's very important that we're treating them properly. And so you ask yourself, well, what is the common denominator in all of these people? Well, if you think about it, each of them has in some way experienced some form of pain. Now, the pain will look different in each case, but they've had some sort of pain. They've had some sort of uh, uh, hurt in their life that has affected them in a deep and abiding and a lasting way. And so we can look at these three classes and we can see that perhaps we're more like them than we think that we might be. So let's think about these in, in order. First of all, the, the pain of the orphan. What is the pain of the orphan? Well, you could say, you could sum it up that the pain of the orphan is abandonment. They might, if you ask an orphan, well, well, why does it hurt? They might not even be able to articulate it. They might not be able to tell you what it is that they're lacking, especially if they're small. But you can tell just by interacting with them for a short period of time that this, this sense of abandonment has marked their life. It has put its thumbprint on them. And it doesn't matter what they do afterwards. That is always going to be a part of their story. It's always going to be a part of what made them who they are. Now, abandonment is a terrible thing to feel. You feel like you have no place in this world. You feel like you have no heritage. You feel like you have no name. You know, for some people, they're orphans, and they didn't even know who their mother and father were. They couldn't point out a, a single person and say, that is my family. And, and that leaves them feeling like they have no, nowhere to turn to, no safe home base to go to. They have no one to protect them. Think about it. What, what do your parents do? They protect you. They protect you from the dangers of the world, stranger danger. They, they teach you, you know, uh, not to touch the hot stove. They teach you, uh, they, they, they protect you from others and they protect you from yourself. And an orphan doesn't have that. They don't have uh, anybody who can, can care for them and nurture them because we all fall down. We all scrape our knees. And sometimes we just need that mama figure to come and to scoop us up and, and to, to kiss our boo-boos and tell us, man, it's going to be okay. 
It's going to be all right. And, and an orphan never had uh, that sense in, in their life. And so they felt this abandonment. Now, I'm not an orphan. I'm very fortunate to have had two loving parents in my life. They've, they've always been for their, there for me. They've always looked out for me. But I can relate to an orphan in this way. I have felt senses of, ab- of abandonment at times. I have felt like I have been through it, and there, there's no one standing there next to me. You know, this is something that even Jesus himself felt because it records his words when he was hanging on the cross. What was one of the things he yelled out? He said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus himself understood the pain of abandonment. Abandonment is something that can change you because if you feel like, well, I can't trust anybody. I can't count on anyone to be there for me. It's going to be very hard to make your way through life with that kind of attitude. And so this is something, that, that's why orphans need that extra care. They need that extra attention. They need someone that will say, hey, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here with you. I'm going to be there for you. And God can do that, and we can do that for each other. When we look at the widow, what is the pain of a widow? Well, widows, if you summed up their pain, you would say that it was probably grief. Now, grief is an emotion. It's a process. It's a series of stages that you go through. But grief is just one overarching term that that sums up a whole lot of feelings. And anybody here who's ever lost someone that they loved and they cared for knows what I'm talking about. Because when you grieve, you feel loss. You feel loneliness. You feel anxiety. You feel stress anger, depression, exhaustion, all of these emotions, they come on you and they, they wash over you and wave after wave and you'll think I'm doing okay and, and I'm making it through today all right and, and I'm doing fine and then just out of nowhere it'll hit you and, and it's, it's like it knocks you off your feet and you're like, whoa, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to process this. I don't even know where this came from. You might not even be able to say what triggered that emotion in you, but it's a process that we all go through. Widows, they, they, they lose their partner. They lost that person that they joined themselves to. You know, the Bible teaches us that when a husband and a wife join themselves together, that they're no longer two, but they become one flesh. And to have half of your flesh torn away, can you imagine the pain? Some of you know that pain. Some of you in this room have felt that pain. Others of us, we might not have lost our spouse, but we've lost others. We've lost parents and grandparents. We've lost, some of us have lost children. All of us have experienced loss at times. Widows also in that time, your husband was how, how you provided. You know, if you look at the stories of widows in the, in the Bible, they were usually very much in need. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament of the prophet. He comes to a town and he finds a widow and her son and they're collecting sticks so that they can go cook their last little bit of food before they go off and die because they had no husband, they had no father, they had no man there to protect them. Now, I'm not saying that women can't make it on their own, but in their society, that's how it was. The widow was reliant on that person to be there for them. And when they lost that person, can you imagine the profound sense of grief the profound sense of loss, the anger they would feel. God, why did you take my loved one from me? The anxiety that came along with this. How am I going to provide? How am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to pay my mortgage? And, and, and then beyond that, depression sets in. You, that feeling like, I, I'll never be the same. I'll never be able to go back. 
I will always have this empty place in my life where my loved one once filled or, or want, once lived in my heart. And so for, for many of us, even though we have not experienced the loss of a spouse, we have all felt that sense of grief. And then when we look at the pain of the foreigner, you could sum it up in this. A foreigner has a profound sense of longing. It's a longing to belong, a longing to be a part of. They, they have a feeling of being an outsider. I don't belong here. This isn't my home. Um, it's a feeling of not belonging. And oftentimes, it, it, when you think of a foreigner, uh, people don't leave their home if they don't have to. Something made them leave. So whether that was, I'm going to pursue new opportunities, or whether it is, I'm fleeing for my very life. I mean, you can think about how many refugee camps there are around the world full of foreigners who are stuck, who, who lost everything that they had, who lost every, all of their relationships. Think about it. If you've lived in a place for any amount of time, you form relationships, friendships, your family are nearby, you, you have consistency, you know where to go. And, and just think, even when you go to a new, uh, a new city that you've never visited before and you're like, well, I don't know how to get around here. I don't know w w which exits to get on and what highways to take. And, and I don't know wh wh where the traffic builds up and how to avoid that. I don't know where to go to eat. You know, if they don't have a McDonald's, I'm lost. You know, but, um, you know, they, they feel a sense of, 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 of not belonging. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And for some people, and sometimes you can't go back to where you were before. Sometimes that, that place where you were before doesn't exist anymore. That home base, that, that, that place where you came from, it doesn't exist anymore. And so they sense deprivation. Think about refugee camps and how, you know, we live in nice houses with roofs and, and walls and windows and doors, and sometimes all they've got is a few sticks and a tarp to put over their head. And it's humiliating. Why am I reliant on, on foreign aid? Why am I reliant on other people to provide things that I need? I should be able to provide for myself. But if you're a foreigner in a land, you don't even speak the language. Recently, I was talking to somebody who was working with a man who was in the hospital here in Louisville. And he was having so much trouble because he couldn't speak English. And it wasn't that he, he was lazy. He had a job. And it wasn't that he didn't take care of his, his family and all of that. He, he, he did all of those things that he needed to do, but he couldn't communicate well because he didn't speak English. And because of that, when he had, I don't even remember what the emergency surgery was, but he had to go into the hospital for an emergency. And because he couldn't communicate with his boss, his boss fired him for no, no call, no show. And then when it comes time to pay the bills, he, he, he doesn't know how to pay the bills because he, he can't read the, 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 the paperwork that's sent to him that said, you owe this amount and you owe it by this day. It, it was like he was, he was completely at the mercy of other people simply because he wasn't from here. It wasn't because he was a bad person. It wasn't because he was irresponsible. He just was a foreigner. He was in a place that wasn't his home. They're at the mercies of others. And so... In all of these cases, there is a bitterness of pain. And I was talking with somebody just last week, and they talked about the fact that, you know, although not everybody has been through the exact same experiences that you've been through, we have all tasted the bitterness of pain. You know, I didn't come from the family that you came from. I didn't grow up in the town where you grew up. I haven't been through all of the circumstances that you've been through and worked in the workplaces where you worked. I haven't been through all of that, 
But those bitterness, those bitterness uh, and those bitter experiences that you've had in your life, I've tasted something like it. We all have. And so here's the thing. We have to understand that God understands it as well. Scripture teaches us that Jesus was tested and tempted in every way as we were. You know, you, you think you've been betrayed? Jesus was betrayed. You think you've been rejected? Jesus was rejected. I mean, I, we were talking about this in Bible study the other, uh, the other night. When Jesus went to his hometown, they were literally trying to throw him off a cliff because they were like, this dude is crazy. He's out here trying to tell us he's the son of God. We know he's Mary and Joseph's boy. So Jesus, he experienced everything that we have. But here's the thing. Although we have all experienced pain, like the orphan, like the widow, like the foreigner, there's good news. It's called the gospel. All right? And God has promised to give us comfort for whatever pain we experience in our life. And what I find interesting is that if you look in Scripture, you can find where Jesus or, or God himself specifically speaks to these people who have experienced this flavor of pain in their life. And he has some promises for them. So if you are an orphan and you have experienced that sense of abandonment, John 14, 8, Jesus here was speaking to his disciples, and here's what he said. He said, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Think about that. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. How many times in your life have you needed just to know that God was going to be there with you? God was going to be there for you. You feel like, I'm in this alone. No one understands what I'm going through. No one can feel what I can feel. No one understands, and no one is here with me. But God is with you. Jesus was talking to grown men. And that was probably a little bit insulting to be called orphans <laughs> as, a, as a grown person. It's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I've got a mom and a dad. I've got a family. I've got, I've got a life. But there are still times in our life where we feel abandoned. And God says, Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. For those who are widows, in Isaiah chapter 54, the, the, the prophet was talking about the glory of the future Zion. This is what it's going to look like when God has made everything right in the world. Here's what he said. He said, fear not, for you will no longer live in shame. Don't, don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your creator will be your husband, and the Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He's your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel the God of all the earth. We've all felt grief. We've all felt loss. We've all felt like there's something missing in my life. And God says, don't go around looking for something to fill that hole, that void in your life. You don't need anything else to fill that void in your life because I'm going to fill that void. You need a husband? I'll be your husband. You need a father? I'll be your father. You need a healer? I'll be your healer. You need a provider? I'll be your provider. God is going to be there for us in whatever way we need. And for those of us who are foreigners, for those who feel like we don't belong, I don't fit in, I'm the weird one, I'm, I'm the odd duck, I'm the one that doesn't fit in with everybody else. Jesus, or Paul had this to say in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, so now you Gentiles... You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You know, 
I look around this room, and there's a few of you I can see. You probably felt like the weirdo, because you, you kind of are a little bit weird, all right? But you want to know what? That's okay. God's saying you belong. God's saying you're a part of my family. You're a citizen. You have all the rights and protections of anybody else. You're not lesser than. You're not, there's nothing to be humiliated about. You are a part of my family. I love you. And I went out of my way to bring you into my family. That's the good news that we've all been given today. That's the gospel that we have. Is that whatever the pain we felt, whether it's abandonment or grief or longing, whatever that pain, whatever that ache is that we have in our spirit, God is there to comfort us through that pain. But let me take it a step further because the good news is not just that God's going to comfort you when you're in pain. He's more than just a spiritual Tylenol pill to to make the pain go away. God takes our pain and he redeems it. He takes what's ugly and what's broken and what's messed up and he turns it around and he makes something beautiful out of it again. That redemption is the, is the necessary, uh, it's the necessary ending of the gospel message. Because if all it was, if God just took the pain away, there's lots of things that can take our pain away. Some of us probably have some experience with that. We probably tried to chase the pain away with, with some drugs or some alcohol or some party life and, and, and those kinds of things. We want to fill our life with those things to chase away that emptiness that we feel inside. But we don't need those kinds of things because we have God who will give us true healing. So here's the thing. Here's how he creates redemption and creates something beautiful out of what is ugly and broken and terrible in our lives. There's an idea that, that exists out in the world. It, it, it's a, it's, a, it's a, uh, a, a psychological archetype or a theory. It's called the wounded healer. They talk about this in in the field of psychology. They talk about this because uh, Carl Jung was the one that talked about it uh, mostly because he would say, listen, when you go to a psychologist, when you go to a therapist, they're able to help you deal with your pain because they felt it themselves. He, he would call back to the ancient Greek myth of, of the centaur Chiron. He was a great healer. He had the ability to heal people, but he himself was wounded and eventually died from his wounds. So even though he could heal other people, he was unable to heal himself. And the reality is, is that's where we are. We can't heal ourselves. We can try to heal some other people, but we can't heal ourselves. But here's the thing. Although psychologists use this term, the wounded healer, they've, they're, they're looking at Greek myths. I'm telling you, we've got something that's even truer than that. We've got an example in Jesus of a wounded healer. Henry Nouwen, the Dutch theologian, said it like this. He said, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. But the main question is not, how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed? But, how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. That's something that we can hold on to. Here's the thing. Things that happen in your life, God doesn't magically erase them. He doesn't just take them away. The the, the hardships that we've been through, the pain that we've been through, the struggle that we've been through, God doesn't erase them. He doesn't take them away. They're part of what makes us who we are. But God says, I'm going to take that pain. I'm going to take that bitterness. 
I'm going to take that, that, aban- that sense of abandonment, that grief, that longing that you have, and I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. And he shows us the way through the life of Jesus. To finish this quote, Henry Nouwen says, Jesus is God's wounded healer. Through his wounds, we are healed. Jesus' suffering and death brought joy and life. His humiliation brought glory. His rejection brought a community of love. And as followers of Jesus, we can also allow our wounds to bring healing to others. There are times in your life where someone that you're close to, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, it's a, a, a co-worker, and you see that they're going through some tough things in their life. And, and you haven't been through everything they've been through, but you know a little bit. You've had a taste of it. You know what it feels like to be betrayed. You know what it feels like to be wronged. You know what it feels like to be falsely accused. You know what it feels like to have rumors spread about you that aren't true. You know what it feels like to, to, to be doing the best that you can do and still coming up short. You have felt that pain. And so here's the thing. God can take that pain that you have and he can use that to breathe some life and some truth into the, into the life of that other person. He can use that experience. Now, don't go in there saying, hey, no, I know exactly how you feel because you don't know exactly how they feel. Don't say, oh, well, you'll get over it. You know, this will pass. Don't, don't be trite. Don't dismiss their pain. Their pain is something real. Their pain is something that, that hurts them. It keeps them up at night. It steals their sleep. It steals their rest. It fills them with anxiety and dread. There are days they don't want to get up. They don't want to face the world. But you can say, listen, I don't know exactly everything you've been through. But I know this. I know my God's faithful. I know that, that the healing that, that you need can be found in God. I know that the provision you need can be found in God. I know that the, that the, that the belonging that you need can be found in the family of God. And when we point others to Him, God is taking that pain, that ugly, that nasty that's been in your life, and He's using it to create something better in the life of someone else. Now, there are times in our lives when we are wounded, we're hurting, we're in pain. We're feeling like, God, I don't, I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to deal with this. This doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to do with these emotions that I'm feeling. And, and God says, just be faithful. And here's what happens. When we stay faithful, when we're confused, and when we don't understand why we're having to go through what we're going through, God takes that. And he uses it to minister to others when we don't even realize we're doing it. How do I know that's true? Because Jesus said it was true. In Matthew chapter 25, here's what Jesus said. He said, this is in the end times, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those righteous ones, here's the thing. They were confused. They were like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I never did those things for you. But he said, they said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. These people were going through their own stuff. 
How do I know? Because all of us go through stuff. And yet still, they were being faithful. They were reaching out. They were loving. They were taking care of others. And sometimes just showing up, just showing up when you are going through the toughest time in your life, just showing up can be a blessing to other people because they'll say, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how you got out of bed today. I don't know how you're putting one foot in front of the other. And they do it and they see it and they see, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. Or they'll say, I don't know how you're, you're dealing with this. But they see, oh, they're relying on God to take care of them. And then they trust a little bit more as well. Well, if God can help them, maybe God can help me too. We live in a world that is full of a lot of pain. There's a lot of orphans. There's a lot of widows. There's a lot of foreigners out there. Think about it. You can think about some of the things that are going on even in our country right now. There are people who are out there protesting and marching because they feel like I'm other, I'm different, and, and I, I, I don't belong, and, and that's not fair, that's not right. I shouldn't be deprived, I shouldn't be humiliated just because of who I am. We have people that are out there who've been hurt. They've been hurt by, by generations of, of families falling apart, by generations of, of lacking either a mother or a father. Or coming out of homes that maybe they had that mother and father, but they were so uh, broken and abusive or emotionally distant that they didn't get that parental care that they needed. And here's the problem. is people take that pain and they lash out with it. They lash out with it. And, and it's hard sometimes to look... Uh, you know, there's news reports I've been watching this week. There are cities in this town or cities in this country that are on fire every night because people are in pain and they don't know what to do with that pain. So they lash out with it. Well, let me tell you something. Every single person in this room is also a person that was in pain. But rather than lashing out with it, we've just said, God, I'm giving it to you. I don't understand why I had to go through what I've been through. I don't understand why you took my loved one from me. I don't understand why I lost my job. I don't understand why everybody's telling lies about me. I I don't understand any of this. But God, I'm going to give it to you. And when you do that, God is going to take that pain that you have and he's going to use it to heal somebody else. And through the process of you being a minister and healing others, he's going to heal you too. We've all been through pain in our lives. And for some of us, that pain is so far distant that we barely even think of it anymore. We've, our, we've scarred over. We've healed. And, and maybe you only feel it when it rains or whenever the weather changes. But there are others of us that we're still so raw. We're still so sore. We're, we're still, God, I'm still hurting. Let me tell you something. Just because you're hurting doesn't mean that God can't use you right here, right now to bless someone else. So here's the thing I want to do today. How many of you would say, and, and I'm, I'm doing this because I want people to understand that they're not the only person that done this, uh, that, that has felt the way they felt. How many of you in your life have ever felt at one time or another, whether it's currently or in the past, how many of you have ever felt a sense of abandonment? Anybody in this room? And if you're on the front, turn around and look. I want you to see. How many of you, put your hands down, how many of you have ever felt grief, a sense of loss? How many of you have ever grieved? And you guys know that process is crazy. 
right? They try to tell you there's stages and that you go through it. They don't tell you that the stages go up and down and it twists back around on itself like a roller coaster. How many of you have ever felt a sense of longing? Like there's something lacking in my life. There's something I need. Yeah. Yeah. So that, if I calculated right, I'm pretty sure that every single person in this room raised their hand at one point or another. That means we are all a hurt people. We're all a hurt people. Our pain is different. It looks different. It tastes different. It feels different. It affects us differently. But it's part of your makeup. It's part of who you are. But here's what I want to encourage you today. Don't let that woundedness, don't let that pain keep you from speaking life and truth and healing and love and care and attention and protection and belonging on others. Sometimes we just need someone to come along when we're going through a tough day and they, don't, they might not even know it, but they come along and they say, hey, did you get a haircut? I like that. That looks good on you. And you don't understand that maybe that person's been sitting there telling themselves, I'm, I'm fat and I'm ugly and I'm worthless and no one likes me. You don't even know what a difference you made in their life. And you might have been feeling fat and ugly and worthless that day too. But God used you to work some healing in their life. I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes when people are being ugly to you. People are being nasty. They're being hateful and hurtful. They're saying every wicked thing they can think of to try and hurt you and tear you down. But I'll tell you one thing that has helped me is a lot of times I just sit back and I think, man... If they're lashing out in that kind of way, what kind of pain must they be in on the inside? And that causes me to pause. And even though when they're cussing me out and the, the human part of me wants to cuss them right back, I'll be honest, I'm a pastor, but I, I, I want to cuss sometimes too, you know? But what helps me in those times is when I say, God, I don't know why they're so much in pain and I don't know why they have turned that pain on me or turned that pain on police officers or turned that pain on people who are different from them or turned that pain on, on other people, on their, on their own community. God blessed them and touched them. And I think that if we can start extending that grace and that love and seeing the pain in others, and just saying, I hear your pain. You know, sometimes you, you don't, you know that, that the person you're upset with, you know that they can't fix your problem. All you want to do is for them just to acknowledge that you're there and acknowledge your experience, acknowledge what you've been through, saying, hey, listen, I know it's been tough. I don't know about you, but the past couple of years have been pretty tough. Wednesday night in our Bible study, we just kind of, we had a real honest Bible study that, uh, this last Wednesday. And as we went around the room, everybody in the room was talking about things they've been struggling with, things that have been tough, things that we don't understand. And you know what? We just looked around and, and it, was so, it was such a beautiful moment because people were just looking at each other and they were saying, you know what? I know you're in pain and I know you're struggling, but that's okay. That's okay. And I'm here for you. And that's what we have to do for the rest of the world. So I want to close this 
service with a time of prayer and intercession because our world is hurting. Our world, as, as a society, we're hurting. But as individuals, we're hurting. As families, we're hurting. And so I want to take some time and just pray and say, God, I'm as wounded as the next person. But I want you to use me to be a, a, a source of healing in the life of someone else today. And I think if we can do that, I think that, that things will begin to change. Tides will begin to turn. And the pain won't go away. The losses that we've suffered, they'll still be gone. Those loved ones that are gone, they'll still be gone. That abuse that we suffered as a kid, that can never be taken away. That, that, that deprivation that you've, you've felt in your life, that's never going to go away. But God will take that and He'll heal it. And He'll use it to heal others as well. So if you'll all stand with me today. And I like to pray. I like to pray generally. But sometimes you have to get specific. And so every single person in this room, either you or someone that you're close to or someone that you know is going through some stuff right now. They've got some pain in their life. Maybe they've been abandoned. Maybe they've been betrayed. Maybe they've been falsely accused. Maybe they're suffering a loss or grieving a loss. Or maybe they're just in a place where they feel like they don't belong and they don't fit in. Whatever that pain is, I want you to think of that person. I want you to get them in your mind's eye. And while we pray, I want you to pray that even though I'm wounded, even though I have my own problems, God, I want you to help me to find a way to be a blessing and a healing to that person in my life. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you for this word. We thank you that when you were given the laws to the Israelites, that you didn't just say, I want you to do these things for me, but you said, listen, there's some people in your midst who need some extra care, some extra attention. They need some special considerations. Father God, I, I thank you that all throughout history, you've called on your people to look out for others who are in need, who are in pain, who are struggling. And Father God, we today still have those people with us. We have orphans. We have widows. We have foreigners among us. We have people who've been abandoned. We have people who are grieving. We have people who feel like they don't fit in and they don't belong. They have a longing for something that they can't have. So Lord God, I pray that you would begin to do some amazing things in our life. Because Lord, I know you're not going to take the pain away. You're not going to take the hurt away. It, it, it's part of who we are. We can't change the past. But Father God, we believe you when you say that you're going to take that ugly, nasty, broken experience, that ugly, nasty, broken feeling, emotion, and you're going to make something beautiful out of it. Father God, I pray that just like Jesus said it's going to be, you will help us even when we don't realize it. Lord, that we are being a blessing to others. Lord, I can't wait for the day when we all get to heaven and we're going to be walking down the streets of gold. We're going to see somebody that we don't even recognize and they're going to say, you don't even know my name. But I was the cashier that day at that Walmart 
or at that Burger King and you said something to me and it made a difference in my life. Father God, we're not just praying generally. We're also praying specifically. Lord, I asked every single person in this room to think of someone that they know of who's going through a tough time. And Lord God, I pray that you would allow us to be your ministers, to be your hands, and to to be your feet. I pray that you would help us to take our own pain and our own experiences that we've felt in our life, and I pray that you would help us to turn them outward to be a blessing to those that we know that are struggling. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to go through anything alone. Lord, we might feel abandoned, but we're not. Your scripture says that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to be there beside us. Lord, though we're grieving a loss, Lord, although we're overcome by waves of emotion, Lord, we know that no matter how great the storm is, that Jesus can step up in that bow and say, peace, be still. And for those of us who feel like we don't belong, we thank you for giving us a family of God, a family that we can belong to, that's going to look at us when we're not having our best day, when we're struggling, and they're going to say, that's okay. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our wounded healer. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us as we go about our day-to-day lives to be wounded healers for others. Lord, we thank you that pain is is a temporary thing. We thank you that struggle ends, that night passes and a new dawn comes. Lord, we thank you that seasons pass. And so, Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness no matter where we are in our life, whether we're in our darkest night or our brightest day. And, Lord, we come to you and we thank you for the grace that you've given us, the comfort of your Holy Spirit that whispers into our spirit, I will not abandon you. I will come for you. For the Holy Spirit that says to us, I will be your husband. For the Holy Spirit that says, you're part of my family. Father, we love you and we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I know sometimes we come to church and we walk out the door and we're feeling good about life. We're like, God, he moved in a mighty way. He moved in a powerful way. And man, I'm just so happy. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes we just need some services where the Holy Spirit can do a little loving on us, can touch our spirit, and can heal those hurts. And so as we leave today, I want you to understand that even though I know that you're all wounded, I know that you all have your own pains and your own hurts, you could be a healer in someone else's life. God bless you all, and we will see you all next Sunday. We will not have midweek service this week because of Thanksgiving. Some of us will need until Sunday to get out of our food coma. So we will see you then. And as we leave today, and as we're spending this week thinking about things we're thankful for, I just want you all to know that I'm thankful for you. And we'll see you then.